good evening to our neighbors and listeners. Recording from Germantown with a head cold, you're listening to the award-winning Germantown Info Hub Radio Hour. I'm Maleka Fruin, community organizer here at the Hub. Usually I'm with my colleague and community reporter, Rashida Jamu, aka Philly's Freedom Jar, but tonight I'm on my own. The Info Hub Hour explores all things happening in Germantown and the city of Philadelphia and covers them in an hour or less. You can check out what's going on by visiting our website at germantowninfohub.org, on Twitter and Instagram at gtowninfohub, or on Facebook at germantowninfohub. We're focusing on one subject today. It's called the Whole Home Repairs Act, and it's big. It's a bipartisan bill in Pennsylvania that provides funding for home repairs and weatherization for homeowners and small landlords. The coordination and tech assistance that goes with it and the job and job development to help with the repairs. We're going to talk to State Senator Art Haywood about how the bill affects Germantown and then to the founder of the bill, State Senator Nikhil Saval, all about how the bill was created, the funding involved, and how it works to provide solutions to multiple housing challenges for folks in the state. Now let's start our show. Thank you so much for joining us today, Senator Haywood. Thank you for inviting me. I'm very glad to be here with you. So here at Germantown Info Hub, we've been talking a lot about solutions, especially solutions to keep folks from being displaced while new development and housing prices are increasing, rent, pr- rental prices are increasing here in Germantown and throughout the city. And one solution that you've been supporting with State Senator Saval is the Whole Home Repairs Act. And I wanted to talk about it and, and learn more about it from you. Yeah. Could you, um, could you explain a little bit about the Whole Home Repairs Act and how it works? Yeah, yeah, certainly. So I've been glad to have been a, a housing advocate before I was in the state Senate. But this piece of legislation that comes from State Senator Saval is a first of its kind in the United States. I think we really got to try to appreciate the uniqueness and the imagination that brought this to Pennsylvania. It's basically got three parts. Part one is money for home repair, up to $50,000, up to $50,000 for home repair. And that includes weatherization, as well as whether a person needs a roof or they need some plumbing or electrical, up to $50,000 for home repair. That is a grant, not a loan. That is a grant to homeowners. Now for a landlord, landlords are eligible. It would be a loan for up to $50,000 for primarily small landlords. That's number one, money for repair. Number two is jobs. So this is a program where it's very clear that jobs are gonna be created so that individuals get these repairs done. And so we're looking to try to build a workforce of folks who will do these repairs across the Commonwealth, not just in Philadelphia, but including in Philadelphia. Uh, this workforce piece is so important because you know we've got young men and, and women who may not go all the way through a college education four years 
But if they can get some training in an apprenticeship program, they can build a career in construction. So the workforce is the second major piece. And the third is technical assistance. We often know that people need repairs, but may not know exactly what they need or they don't need. And so this is a program that will provide some level of technical assistance. It is a one-stop shop. This program will be operated through the state, Department of Community and Economic Development, Department of Community and Economic Development, also called DCED. And so homeowners or small landlords are not gonna to have to run around to three or four different places to try to find out where to get these resources. Now, I did wanna talk a little bit more on not just about the program, but the ideas behind the program. I just gave you a sense of the main features. Yes. But this is legislation that was driven by a recognition that home repairs cause people to have to leave their homes. The failure to make repairs cause people to leave their homes, sell to developers who are just trying to gentrify neighborhoods. In some parts of the state, there's a tremendous amount of blight where companies have left a town like Johnstown and Reading. Uh, companies left these towns and nothing left blight behind. And people who want to stay in their homes. And so this is a combination of uh, anti-blight, particularly for most of the states, so people can stay in their homes and so they don't have a bunch of dilapidated homes on the block, as well as uh, reducing gentrification. Because um, I wanna share, if I could, a story of a small renovation program I had that was a precursor to home health, home repair. Yes, please. So several years ago, I was able to, with the assistance of uh, Congressman Dwight Evans and State Representative uh, Isabel Fitzgerald, to get $400,000 for repairs in the Northwest to homes where there were retirees who were not in a position to continue to keep their houses up. You know, that's a lot. That's happening a lot. Yes. They, you know, folks lived in the neighborhood 30, 40, 50 years. They bought the homes. They were able to keep them up. But get 80 years old, retirement money is slim and very difficult to maintain the housing. So we were able to help over a dozen uh, homeowners to make repairs. And when we spoke with them, I recall several people saying this $5,000 uh, heating repair allows me to stay in the house. This $10,000 plumbing repair, and that's a lot of repairs for plumbing, but still $10,000 plumbing repair allows me to stay in my house. And so there was also some re uh, adaptive reuse where there was some uh, bars put up in bathrooms to make it easier for people who had lost some mobility over the years. So they would then be able to stay in their homes. So this was a small time program, but I have seen these home repair efforts work. Now, Senator Saval's effort is not a small time program. He's got a, it's $125 million, which is a lot of money. That's way more than $400,000. <laughs> it will serve uh, folks across the state. So 
Um, I'm so proud of him for his leadership. You know, he just joined the state Senate. Housing is a focus of his. And in his first two years in the Pennsylvania State Senate, he was able to bring this program. I'm so proud of him. It shows what leadership can do. I know I went on and on, but I got excited. No, I'm it's, sorry. It's, this is really exciting. And I'm so glad that you talked about the logistics of it and talked about how how historic it is. And I love the story that you brought up because it almost is like a microcosm of how you were doing some of this in the Northwest and this is on a larger scale. Exactly, and it, yes. And it's something that really is really needed in Pennsylvania and probably in many states. Yes. And it's um it's something that's important and it's going to help this housing market. Yeah. And I can give you some more practicalities of the program. So we have heard, unfortunately, of individuals selling their homes uh, for less than what they're worth to developers who really want to uh, come in and flip properties for higher income uh, individuals. This program, Whole Home Repair, will allow a homeowner to not be desperate Say, I got all these repairs and there's nothing I can do, therefore I'm going to sell. No, now a homeowner can say, I can make the repairs, I can stay in my home. And we know that for, particularly for older adults, uh, staying in a home is the best place for retirement. We know that nursing home care is necessary for some. I'm not saying it's not. Nursing home care is necessary for some. But we also know that the best place is for folks often is to stay in their homes and bring assistance to individuals in their homes. So this whole home repair program is not just good for housing, that is keeping people in their homes, but it's also good for aging. So that folks will be in their neighborhoods, they'll still have their neighbors to call upon if they need bread or milk or someone to take the trash out. So this is a, has a lot of benefits beyond the narrow uh, housing uh, focus. I'm also very enthused about the weatherization piece. Uh, I know I've been on programs on, on your radio show where we talked about the challenges of climate change. Yes. And, and the more we can do so that uh, we can have energy preservation, you know, avoid energy loss, uh, that's all part of what individuals can do to uh, reduce the impact of climate change. It's not just big businesses. Each of us have a role as well. Yeah, let's talk about that, the energy uh, efficiency that you were just talking about. I know that one of the things that keeps getting brought up with the whole Home Repairs Act is how energy efficiency is emphasized. It's something that's important. It's going yes. to make housing more affordable in the long yes. for people. And especially in Pennsylvania, as you know, Senator, that has a lot of older housing, a lot of yes. infrastructure. And, and maybe speak on that a little bit and how this can help with energy costs and, sure. and how this, I know in Germantown, we have a lot of older houses, a lot of older buildings. Oh, most definitely. And what the older houses and older buildings in Germantown mean, what that means for energy is that a lot of energy is seeping out. It's seeping out of windows and it's seeping out of um, other cracks that we have in our homes. And as with that energy seeping out, it means a couple of things. One, we are paying for energy that we are losing. 
And that's so that's an expense for everyday uh, folks paying for stuff that uh, they're not using. So it can help obviously save money if you can keep all the energy inside of the building. This is what the weatherization programs uh, help to do. That's on an individual basis, saving money, saving energy. But we know that on a cumulative basis, that once you start to save energy on in hundreds of homes and then thousands of homes, then that will have a, a impact on how much energy is used from uh, each of them and therefore how much energy has to be produced by a PICO or whoever your electric provider may be. And that can have a much more systemic impact on the amount of energy we use and therefore um, the amount of, of impact we're having on climate, uh, bad impact on climate when we consume excess energy. So this is a uh, more than a two for one uh, program. It's the energy efficiency, it's the jobs, it's the housing, it's keeping older people in their homes. I mean, there's so many positive impacts of this um, legislation. I think I should probably share who's eligible. There are some income limits. This is not for uh, wealthy uh, Pennsylvanians who should be able to make these uh, repairs on their own. This is not for the wealthy uh, in Pennsylvania, uh, again, who should be able to do it on their own. Uh, this is for uh, modern income uh, Pennsylvanians, 80% uh, of median income, which is pretty much a moderate income Pennsylvania and below. So this is to help those who need assistance. And that is critical uh, for this program. We have um, the state has a limited amount of money, in this case, $125 million. So therefore we can't have a program for every household because you know we don't have the funds for that. So that's therefore we need to have a focus for the funding. Right. And that right. focus is those who are most challenged in the ability to afford uh, the repairs. Okay, I understand this scope. Where does this funding come from, Senator? Yeah, good question. So this funding for this year comes from uh, President Biden's efforts. It is the American Rescue Funds that came from the national government to Pennsylvania. Uh, we got uh, over $7 billion uh, to spend. And this is part of the $7 billion that uh, has been spent. Um, as you may know, there's quite a bit of competition about whether we would spend the money or put it all in a rainy day fund or something crazy like that. But unfortunately, fortunately, we were able to get some of this money spent in, in this program. Now, what um, there are a few consequences of this funding being from the Biden American Rescue. First, this is money that we will have to replace next year. This is one-time money that we'll have to replace next year. And I'm confident that we will be able to replace it once citizens see the impact of the program and talk to their legislators and tell their legislators that this is a program that needs to be funded year after year after year. But right now it is a one-year funding and we're going to have to fight for it. Now we have fought and won before, so I'm not uh, saying that as a, a threat or anything. I think we can fight and win, mm -hmm. uh, but we will have to, it will be contested in budget time next summer. So we'll have to make sure we win this, which I believe that we can. But the that American like Rescue Fund- a lot of decision-making in the, in the, in Harrisburg for all, for all the different ways that money could be spent or saved. 
that would be an interesting thing to be a fly on the wall during that decision making. Yeah, I was not in the room when that happened. I was, was an advocate to get the money spent. Um, but we have um, still a big challenge in Pennsylvania is that the Democrats are outnumbered in Harrisburg. And mm. so uh, Republicans have the numbers. And so their priorities uh, are usually reflected in the budget. Uh, but uh, we won this one. And I think that should be recognized. This is a big win uh, for all of us across the state who want to see folks stay in their home, want to fight gentrification, want to see uh, folks get jobs, uh, want to see uh, energy uh, used correctly. Uh, this, this, is a, this is a big win. Yes, it is, definitely. And you've basically been saying it, uh, jobs, um, all the ways that intersects with healthy aging and aging in place. But why do you personally think that this act is important? So I saw, as I mentioned before, the impact of having a small program like this in the Northwest with the 400,000. And each of my neighbors that I spoke to really were very clear that this home repair money helped them to stay in their homes, in their neighborhoods, and that's what they wanted. They wanted to stay in their homes. They wanted to stay in their neighborhoods. And these grants programs make a huge difference for people so they can stay in their neighborhoods. And that's basically it. Um, when I got to tell you- that. Yeah. I, I certainly want to stay in my neighborhood as long as I can. Mm-hmm. And so do pretty much all my neighbors. Again, sometimes folks get to a point where they need uh, care that can't be provided at home. But people want to stay at home. That's where their friends are. That's where their neighborhood is. Uh, that's part of their identity. It, it helps create a healthy community. And I learned more about that as I was learning about predatory predatory de uh, developers and lenders and, and people who were just trying to, like you said, come in and try to buy people's houses for not, yeah. not as much as they were worth. Yeah. And there are predatory lenders and predatory developers. Yes. yes there's both. I got you. Now there's both. And, and it, we can in part resist it with this legislation. Yes, that's definitely something that sounds like it could be done with this. Is there and for Germantown in the Northwest, it's going to have a big impact on Germantown in the Northwest. Because as oh, yeah. you said, there's so many older homes, there's so many older adults. Now, I don't want to skew this too far. This program is not just for older adults, even though I have talked a lot about older adults. This is for homeowners and small landlords uh, who just need the money for the repairs. So there's no age limit. I know I've been talking a lot about older adults, but uh, individuals of all ages, homeowners can benefit from uh, these uh, new grant programs. That's a good distinction to make. Is there anything else you want to add, Senator? I only want to add that I am so proud of Senator Saval. I'm so glad that he is in the state Senate. Um, he has brought a tremendous amount of energy and imagination. This is the first of its kind in the United States of America. This legislation is first of its kind. And it's not often that we have a legislation that is this beneficial, that is first of its kind in Pennsylvania. And I just really want to thank him for his leadership in making it, it happen. 
Of course, there's always a team, but on every team, you still need a leader. And I really appreciate his leadership. And if people want to know, glad to be on the team. people wanted to learn more and maybe perhaps try to register and become eligible for this program, where should they go? So the program is still being put together in terms of technicalities of uh, the application process. And that's going to be with DCED. But I know that Senator Zavala is currently working with DCED to come up with the application process. Uh, so I don't want to go uh, get too far ahead of that process. Yes. Um, Senator Zavala will certainly be able to provide more details as they emerge. My office will be able to provide more details as they emerge. But the application process is still uh, under development. Well, thank you so much again for sharing your time and your thoughts and uh, congratulations for all to all of you for all the work, support, encouragement, wisdom that you have all brought to this very important piece of legislation for housing. It's really definitely a win. Thank you so much, Senator Haywood. Thank you so much. And thanks for focusing on it and sharing it with folks in Germantown. Thank you so much for joining us today, Senator Saval. Thank you, Maleka, for having me. So here at Germantown Info Hub, we've been in discussion all year about solutions around development without displacement, around affordable housing issues in general in Germantown and citywide. And we're so glad to get to talk to you today about the Whole Home Repairs Act. Senator, I know that you've had a history of community organizing even before you were elected. How did you take that and create the Whole Home Repairs Act? So from the kind of community work that I've done and have done, you know, with with, with various in various kind of organizations and, and venues, I was a, a volunteer labor organizer with Unite Here. I did local neighborhood organizing in South Philadelphia founded a progressive organization, was also a democratic ward leader. You know, all of that had, on the one hand, brought me face to face with our affordable housing crisis. And, you know, the, the, it, it takes different forms in, in the, I, you know, various places that I've lived and done the work. But, you know, uh, fundamentally, it's the lack of uh, access to safe, healthy, affordable housing for, you know, a, a huge number of people. And, you know, when I ran for office, I wanted to highlight this in part because I think it, it, it's just a, a thing we have to tackle. I think it's, there's, housing is a human right and no one should go without access to housing and it's certainly in a society as wealthy as ours. And, you know, two, I thought that this was an issue that cut across geography and political affiliation. Housing insecurity is endemic in Pennsylvania. It doesn't matter where you live, what your party is, it, we see it everywhere. And I thought it was an issue that we could fight for on a state level. And so the, the but in particular community organizing brought, you know, meant that we had to create policy that satisfied people's deep material needs 
and also that people who were most impacted or affected were brought to the forefront in the, the, the policy making and the organizing to win the policy. So, you know, one, we, in, our, in our office, we hire directly for organizing capacity. We have two dedicated organizers on staff, one who works specifically on kind of labor organizing and relationships with late organized labor, but also just kind of general like uh, work initiative, working class initiatives that people develop at the workplace or in and around the workplace. And then, and then we also have a, a community organizer or community outreach director who comes has a history of organizing in, um, in, in, in particular in kind of feminist organizing in housing organizing. And we wanted that capacity to, to be dedicated to helping to build a coalition around affordable housing and in, you know, in particular around the whole home repairs act as it developed, you know, over the course of this campaign. And so we, you know, together we, our office, help build a coalition or work, you know, work with existing uh, community organizations across the state because, you know, to win policy in Pennsylvania, you need statewide power. And, in, you know, in, in Lancaster, Reading, Allentown, and of course, Philadelphia, we did the work with, you know, working with our organizations to find people who were impacted, who could speak to the importance of a policy that would help people stay in their homes, who would, you know, ground the organizations doing the work in, in the real material stakes of such a policy and could speak to their representatives to speak to the issue, you know, in no matter what their context. And so, you know, in other words, to pass the whole Home Repairs Act, we needed a grassroots campaign. And mm -hmm. I, I knew that from my history, but I, you know, I think our, our office was built to, to support that. And so when we, you know, we, in particular, we, we had a week of action around, the, around the, the policy. We had policy hearings that centered people who's, who could speak to how this, you know, policy of preservation or, you know, increasing energy efficiency or making adaptive modifications to their home would really help them stay in their homes, whether they were tenants or homeowners. And, you know, we, all of that continued to, to work over the course of trying to get the policy adopted. And we, you know, there's a lobbying day where residents from all over the Commonwealth came to meet with their representatives. And we had two of them, in fact, uh, to kind of drive home how important this would be for them. And I think that that just, you know, that, that made its way into media around the campaign, that made its way into attention around the campaign. And all of that came together to make the whole Home Repairs Act, I think at the end, feel like an idea whose time had come. And so I think that that was, you know, where at least my initial impulse, I think, played out in, or at least my, my initial training played out in the, the work, the, the work to pass the legislation. Senator, Senator, is it common for state reps or state senators to hire community organizers as part of their team? I'm just curious. I, not not necessarily, or it was not something that we encountered in many different offices. I think that we, you know, we, you know, I, I think there there are some precedents, but I think especially if you come from an organizing background, you you know that that's the way that you can, you know, I promised when running that my office would be a kind of have an open door or a a, a, a could be a hub for for organizing, and. And so I knew that we needed that capacity in our office. 
Um, I knew, you know, I knew other offices that had done that kind of work. Uh, you know, for example, Representative Elizabeth Fiedler had, has done that that work in South Philadelphia. Senator Haywood, I know, you know, is is deeply invested in that kind of work. So that you know, there's, it's 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 there. There's there's definitely you know offices that we feel aligned with that um, that have have done it. And, but I think we, you know, we really wanted to 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 drive it home and make sure that we had that dedicated capacity on staff that it wasn't just going to come from me frankly right i couldn't do right. all that work. you know it, i right. needed it we needed it um and it and i think it you know the other thing that was maybe interest important was i don't know how many organizations necessarily orient themselves towards harrisburg in that way i mean i think in part because there's people have bad impressions of state government in harrisburg and not not unmerited you know they're, they're but i think I've we heard the rumors. <laughs> everyone's favorite place. And I understand, but we, we also wanted to, to create, I wanted to change that. I wanted to change Harrisburg. Of course, I wanted to be not, not just myself, but I wanted that was at least part of the reason I ran, but I also wanted to change the way that movements oriented themselves towards Harrisburg. And we needed that, 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 that connection in, in having a dedicated organizer or two, in fact, um, on staff. That makes sense. You know, part of why I asked that is because I was curious as to how this actually uh, gained traction. We talked to Senator Haywood, who is part of our district in Germantown, about a lot of the logistics of the whole Home Repairs Act. And he definitely repeated how proud he was of you, Senator Saval, and all of the work you've done. And mentioned some of the work he had done with uh, working for affordable housing in the Northwest, but it was on a much smaller scale. You know, he was working with $400,000. He said, your legislation is much more money. And he he went and explained a lot of it to me. And I really, I really was curious how it all got put together. There just seemed to be so many moving parts, but that actually, I can understand more uh, how it worked with that coalition with dedicated community organizers and other kinds of other other kind of organizers and narratives from lots of people that are actually doing the having the experiences in the state. Yeah, and you know, I think we we had disciplined organizing, principled organizing on that front. And then we had a we had a policy that developed with you know, we didn't, we, we, we developed the, the legislation in-house. I know that that doesn't, that's not often that common, and, you know, not even in other legislation that we've done. You know, you take models from other states and things like that. This is, this is wholly new. I mean, it's like, it doesn't it take, but in, in saying that, I also want to say that it's, it's new, but it builds on existing infrastructure. So good to know. Addition, we, we hired, you know, we, we have a lot of housing expertise in our staff in particular. My policy director comes from, having done affordable housing development for the city. So a great familiarity, at least with city bureaucracies and city um, affordable housing policy. And so we wanted a lot of what we wanted to do was not reinvent the wheel with this policy. We wanted it to speak to existing concerns and transform, I mean, like make sufficient enough improvements that it would still, it would be recognizable to people but be transformative in its effect. So, um, you know, we, part of the, the, the way that the program was able to get buy-in, say in particular from from you know all of my Democratic colleagues and several Republican colleagues, 
was that it spoke to issues that they were already familiar with and even to programs that they were already familiar, familiar with. So people could understand that they may have a home repair initiative in their district, but it's small and it, you know, it doesn't reach as many people as it needs to. Um, they, uh, they understand they have a rural district and they understand rural poverty and they understand that they have homeowners and residents, just generally tenants even, you know, who are not able to stay in their homes or they've seen the aftermath of people leaving their homes or abandoning their homes because of those, the lack of those critical repairs. You have a lot of areas across Pennsylvania where um, people have unremediated lead, they have you know, re leaky roofs, they have high utility burdens because they have inefficient or just non-working um, HVAC systems. They have, and they're, and they're elderly as well, or they're, they have changing physical needs. These are, this is across the state. And, and they've left, and then you can, what they, you can see the aftermath of it, just abandoned homes across the state. And so a lot of people felt like this could be an early intervention to stop that cycle of displacement or abandonment because they were already familiar with it. So we were entering, we were creating, we were entering, uh, we were kind of helping to create a shared language around a shared crisis. And, um, and so, you know, when I would approach people about this policy, they would say, oh yeah, I, I, that would really solve something. I already, I, in a way they were already familiar with the problem. They wasn't totally new to them. And I think that that, um, and then we vetted that policy with tons and tons of stakeholders. You know, we talked to practitioners of existing home repair programs. We talked to energy efficiency experts. We talked to um, legal aid groups. You know, they, there were so many different. And then, and then we, and then we created the policy. And then we vetted the language with them. There was just so many stages at which that like legislative work was done. And finally, there was just, you know, a, a lot of me and my staff working the halls, like actually just one-on-one -on -one talking to legislators. Um, in part, I had no history. I was new to the legislature. I, and so I had always had a pretext to introduce myself to someone and to talk about this policy. And I would do it by stopping them in the hallway and, you know, just try constantly, like constantly doing that work um, to, to get buy-in. And, and I think that that was, that was also a big, a big part of it. And finally, we, you know, we, we, we had a, a very disciplined set of messaging around what, what we said about the campaign. I, I mean, there were lots of different ways in to the legislation. If you were a disability rights act, activist, you could, you could see your way into this legislation. A lot of access points. Exactly. Energy efficiency. If you were, there are energy efficiency businesses that were invested in this. Um, there were, you know, more climate activists who felt like this was a major climate initiative because it would be reducing energy burdens and energy use and therefore greenhouse gas initiatives. I mean, emissions, excuse me. So there were always, we had to speak to many different people, but also make it coherent at the same time. And I think that we, we found that messaging because we had really strong communications work by, my, by our communications director, you know, working, um, working, hand in hand with the community organizing that was going on and our policy experts. So, you know, so it took many all different layers, took all engagement, that. community organizing, lots of different experts on different subjects. It's just so many layers that go to finally putting together this very big win in, in, uh, and, and what Senator Hayward called a historic piece of legislation. Is it true that this is, not something that you've seen even across the country? 
It is. So that's very kind of Senator Hayward to say, I mean, he, I, and I should mention how much he has mentored me in this process. There was a lot of just conversation I had with him on how it works. How can I, what should, what should I do next? I mean, I keep indulged <laughs> a lot of my questions because I mean, he, uh, you know, I think he, he just was mentoring me and, and our staff through this process as well. Um, and what I would say is, yeah, I, I, we have we we believe this is the first of its kind in the nation. There are other there are pieces of this legislation that have have been aired in other states, and there is a kind of precedent for this in the city of Philadelphia, the Built to Last program that is run by the Philadelphia Energy Authority. Yes. So that was a great inspiration for us. It kind of it does a lot of the repairs, coordinating with existing programs and workforce development. And we wanted to take a version of that statewide. So that was an initial inspiration for us. But, you know, it's actually since this legislation was adopted, we have heard from a number of different legislators and organizers in states across the country who are interested in doing exactly this. So short after we speak later today, I'm meeting with, we're meeting with someone from Maryland you know, who wants to do whole home repairs in Maryland. We had a, a meeting with someone in Wisconsin. Uh, we heard a story from someone who we had a kind of celebration party a few days ago where someone said that they had been canvassing, doing political canvassing in Texas, in San Antonio, Texas, and they knocked on someone's door and the person said to them, oh, you're from Pennsylvania. Do you know but the whole home repairs program. Do you know Senators of all, we want to do something like that here in Texas. And so it's it's reached a lot of people. And I think it's there's there's been an article in, in you know from the person who studies housing in Illinois and Chicago in particular, um, who's a professor at Tulane, who's been talking about the need for this across the country. So we hope that it gets it becomes a model for that kind of work. Because it, again, it does it does treat a lot of it, you know these problems are pretty familiar to everyone. The housing exactly. is different in California or Massachusetts or, um, you know, Michigan, but everyone struggles across the country with trying, with repairs, with trying to stay in their homes, with high utility burdens, with the effects of those utility burdens on the climate. And, you know, uh, and, and, and then the other component, which is getting, doing the work. There's a workforce development component to this bill to get people trained to go into home repairs and energy efficiency. So, um, yes, there's definitely multiple layers to the bill and actually all the, uh, and we, we talked a little bit about that with Senator Haywood and we're going to talk more about it, um, in the future, but I don't want to keep you too long, Senator Savall, because I know you have a busy day. I want you to, um, maybe if you could possibly speak about energy efficiency. I know that that was a big part of the of the bill. And many of Germantown's houses and apartment buildings are older. Lots of Pennsylvania's houses and uh, apartment buildings are older. Can you speak just a little bit about the importance of that? Absolutely. So one, I mean, we have so many buildings, houses across Pennsylvania that have, that that deal with problems that are broadly grouped under energy efficiency. We should just speak about what, you know, what that really means. That means that you may just have lack adequate heat, you know, even in the dead of winter, that you lack adequate access to cooling, that you're, you have a building envelope that just kind of leaks air that has, that is drafty. 
And so that means that you're spending way more than possibly you need to on heating and cooling costs for your home. And those are, those are reasons, those are things that, that are not just mere added expenses to a home or just, you know, things that, that are, are sort of additional burdens. They can be crushing burdens for people. Low-income people in the city of Philadelphia pay an average of about 23% of their incomes on utility bills alone. That's just utility bills. That's not even your mortgage or your rent. And so, you know, this can be a reason that someone is unable to keep their home or unable to keep their lights on or their heat on or what have you. And so in addition, you know, people, there are programs to address energy efficiency, but people often don't have the ability to access them because they have a prior critical repair they have to make. So for example, if your roof leaks, you cannot access your denied access eligibility for weatherization, which is a federal program because you have moisture entering your home. And then if you sealed up your home, which weatherization would help you do, you would induce mold in your home, right? And, and that, that may just be its own issue that you have to deal with that you're unable to pay for. So the whole Home Repairs Act is meant to address anything that prevents the high performance of your home. What prevents you from being able to have an energy efficient home? You can get funding to support that. You can also get coordination. So it will help you repair, make the critical repairs so that you can then access the federal assistance for energy efficiency. And all of that has an effect on the energy burden and energy use has an effect on our environment all told. I mean, you know, indoor air quality, of course, but also then it, it, it can affect, you know, how much you, you, how much energy you're using affects how many, how, how, how much, how many greenhouse gases your home puts out into the world. It affects your carbon footprint. And so we feel like this has an, an effect on the inside of a home and how habitable a home is, but also on the effect that home has on the, on our wider environment. Buildings are, you know, responsible for most of, of Philadelphia's greenhouse gas emissions. And that's true for most cities, just that buildings, inefficient buildings result on, in our greenhouse gas emissions. So housing retrofits of this kind can really reduce energy burdens and energy, you know, and that the, the energy use, the effect of energy use on our surrounding environment. Yeah, I can see clearly now the effects from the beginning to the end of this. So let's uh, catch up to right now. What's the work that your team's doing right now to, to really get this off the ground? So we need to, we passed the legislation. We have funding for it. We have, you know, $125 million across the state, which is a significant amount. We, we, yes, know, that need, we know that the need is greater than that, to be clear. We want yes. to secure that funding again and to secure more. Uh, we are working closely with the Department of Community and Economic Development, which is the state agency that would be administering the whole home repairs program. Um, and basically, the, we hope to, you know, we're attending neighborhood and community meetings. We're just, we're speaking, we're having conversations like this to talk about the program and spread the word. Um, we need to create guide, you know, additional guidelines to ensure, to basically get the program up and running. And, you know, the way the program works is that the state selects a county, it, or rather a county designates, a county that wants to participate in the program selects a single entity. Um, so it could be a community, you know, a, a redevelopment authority, something that probably already does some form of home repair weatherization work. And most counties have something like this. We, that would then administer the program. 
And we expect that applications to open, you know, through that process, hopefully uh, this is according to the department in, in, in early 2023. Okay. Um, and, you know, we that's not a sure thing. We just want to make sure that that is the likely thing. And we just want to make sure that we have done all the right things to make sure that the money gets out the door and implementation works smoothly. So mm -hmm. we're working on those guiding, guidelines now, and we would love to spread the word um, you know, in person through every means necessary to, to get people to, you know, make sure that people know how to apply mm -hmm. when, when assistance is available. And finally, Senator, what are some plans or actions you, you wish to see in this near future that will help Philadelphia provide safe and affordable housing for more people? I know that's pretty broad. No, well, there's, it's a huge, it's a huge need. We know we did polling um, for around this program, you know, at, at, at prior to passage. And, you know, we learned from that polling of Pennsylvania voters that one in four Pennsylvania voters lives in a home that needs a critical repair. One in three can't afford their utility bills. And nearly half when faced with a critical repair believe that they would be unable to pay for it. So we know that the need is enormous for the whole home repairs program. We need, it has received $125 million in one-time funding. So we need to demonstrate the importance of the program, which I think we will be able to do and get it refunded next year. So that is, we will continue to fight for that. Um, I will also, I also believe that we just need to be fighting for investments in new affordable housing as well. I mean, this is a preservation program. We need to be building new housing to, to meet the need as well. We're not, we're not doing that nearly at the scale Mm. Um, that we would need to do to to address our affordable housing crisis and our crisis of houselessness and housing insecurity. Um, I also believe that we need to build on some of the successes that we had during the COVID-19 pandemic. For example, the rental assistance program, which had um, some difficulties in rollout in the, in the Commonwealth and across the country. But we had quite a big success here in Philadelphia. We were one of the, the highest performing counties in the country. And in part because we we had huge administrative capacity to get the money to people in need, and it kept so many people in their homes. And that money isn't you know isn't there at the scale that it was during the pandemic. I think we should be looking at how to make such a program permanent. We also paired that program in Philadelphia with eviction diversion. So rather than people getting evicted, they would be able to have access to rental assistance if they were eligible. And that would mean that they would stay in their homes and that landlords would have, you know, stable tenants. And that just meant that communities were able to maintain stability and thrive in spite of what was the real terrible stress that was being put on them, thanks to the pandemic and its effects on, on our economy and our families. So, you know, these are a number of things that I think we can do. There's a lot to do, though. It, it, the work to, to ensure that housing is a human right is, is, is enormous. Yes. I definitely agree with you. I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much, Senator. We appreciate all the work you've been doing, and we are going to continue following everything that your team is doing and, and everything that folks in housing justice are doing in the city of Philadelphia. Thank you so much. Thank you for all your work and your, you know, drawing attention to this. And, you know, it's great to be working, you know, in a, in, it's great to be speaking with you about this. Well, Germantown, it's about that time. We encourage listeners to text the equally informed Philly text line, another program under Resolve Philly. 
allowing Philadelphians to access information regarding Philadelphia services. The Equal Info Line is a free bilingual English and Spanish question and answer texting service, and it provides vetted local news and resources to subscribers. You can start asking questions by texting Equal Info to 73224. Equally Informed also provides a community-driven print newsletter, and that's available at health centers and libraries all over the city. I'm Maleka Fruin, and thank you to our neighbors for listening and engaging as always. Thank you to our guests for speaking with us today, and until next time, good night, Germantown.